0: To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor.
1: Hi friends, would you like to hear an amazing fact? On November 20, 2021, traffic came to a sudden standstill on one of California's busiest freeways, after an armored car accidentally spilled several bags of cash across the interstate. Several drivers and passengers slammed on their brakes and jumped out of their vehicles on the busy highway just north of San Diego to grab what they could. When the California Highway Patrol arrived at the scene, they arrested two people and warned some others who could not resist the temptation to grab the money. Videos across social media showed plenty of people scooping up handfuls of cash, mostly ones and twenties. Fortunately, these videos also captured the faces and license plates of the event. The CHP are working with the FBI to identify those who greedily exploited the accident. It's amazing how quickly many honest citizens were overcome by the love of money. You know, Pastor Ross, you can't help but wonder... uh, what would you do if you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see yourself surrounded by a sea of bills currency
2: (laughs) maybe you consider it answer to prayer and get out and grab a bag and start filling up no you don't want to do that (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, what a temptation! Of course, you can you can see how the folks are all excited. And that's not really their money. I mean, they they got to turn it in legally. Yeah, you can't you find put it in your pocket.
1: Exactly. And you know, we've all heard stories about some uh, you know very honest citizens that find like a a bag of money with no ID, mm-hmm. and they take it to the police station, and lo and behold, it was some dear old person's savings that had fallen out of the car, or whatever. And uh, there are you know some honest people out there, fortunately. But, you know, the Bible tells us in the last days, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And you can read in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, when a person is converted, not only is their heart converted for spiritual things, but God converts your wallet as well. And one of the ways you know that a person has been born again is just their uh, their generosity. They're not controlled by covetousness or greed anymore. And they're willing to share. And they're willing, if they find something that's not theirs, they automatically think, well, this dear person, whoever it is, they lost some money. You know, your heart goes out to that poor armored truck driver who forgot to latch the back mm-hmm. door. And uh, he may have lost his job.
2: Right, right. <laughs> Well, you know, Pastor Doug, we do have a study guide that talks about the Christian and money. And of course, as you mentioned, the Bible verse, the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's that's so true in our world today. But what does the Bible say about how we can be faithful stewards for the things that God mm-hmm. has given us? We'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. This is our free offer for this evening. It's a study guide called In God We Trust. If you'd like to receive that, the number to call is 800-835-6747 and you can just ask for offer number 135 or you can ask for the study guide by name. It's called In God We Trust. We'll be happy to send it to anyone in North America. If you're watching outside of North America, we know we have people who are tuning in on the various social media networks or they're watching on a a various channel. You can just go to the Amazing Facts website, just amazingfacts.org or .com, and you'll be able to enroll in our free Bible school, and you'll actually be studying this lesson. Again, it's called... In God We Trust. Well, Pastor Doug, maybe it's a good time just to greet those who are joining us. You know, we have folks watching on YouTube, as mentioned, on social media, Mm -hmm. folks listening on the radio. We have people listening on satellite radio. So for those who've uh, always listened to the program, we want to make sure you're aware we are broadcasting, and you can see what's happening here in the studio. Just simply go to the Doug Batchelor Facebook page or the Amazing Facts Facebook page, also on YouTube and on Amazing Facts TV.
1: That's right. And you can send your questions in also on the, um, the Facebook page as well.
2: Okay. Well, we're going to get right to our questions. If you have a Bible-related question, the number to call here to the studio is 800-463-7297. Again, that's 800-463-7297. That'll bring you a call here in the studio. And of course, if you don't get right through, uh, just stay on the phone. One of our operators will get to you as soon as they can. Well, before we get the questions, let's start with prayer. Dear father we thank you that we have this opportunity once again to open up your word and study and father as we always do we want to ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us be with Pastor Doug and myself here in the studio as we answer these questions and we pray that you'd be with those who are listening or watching wherever they might be Mm -hmm. father the purpose of this uh, program of this time is to come to a clear and full understanding of your word we are reminded of what jesus said they shall know the truth and the truth will set them free amen. so father keep us uh, clear and uh, bless this program in jesus name amen amen all right well we're going to go to our first caller this evening we've got peter listening in canada peter welcome to bible answers live
3: i'm um, so happy to talk to you pastor dog and pastor ross i've been listening to your messages for a while i'm like still at Peter just so i really love the messages i thank god for your work
1: well thank you for calling and your question tonight
3: Okay, so um, I've been, you know, with the, your new um, summit that Amazing Fact is doing, you know, talking about evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I like science. I like studying science, and I um, I like to see um, the studies of, like, NASA and, you know, discovering life in other planets. But, like, if they were to discover life in another planet, what would they make for the
1: Bible? All right, so if they were to discover life on another planet— would that uh, impact the bible or contradict the teachings of the bible in some way no because uh, i believe the bible tells us that god does have life on other planets Uh, i'm sure peter you've been tracking if you like uh, space and exploration that uh, recently i think in the end of 2021 they launched the james webb telescope which is like 100 times more powerful than the hubble and it will be very exciting to see it looks like it's fully deployed now and they're doing some calibrating Uh, should be getting some incredible pictures from that telescope in oh I think about six months they said but um, I'm probably as interested as anybody I I'm fascinated with astronomy and the the cosmos that God made Um, everything the Bible says you know the Lord made the heaven and the earth he made the stars he made it all and I don't think the Bible teaches the only life is here on earth. I believe the scriptures say that Christ made the worlds. Is that Hebrews chapter? Hebrews chapter
2: 1. Yeah. And it's uh, actually the verse you're referring to there is uh, Hebrews 1 verse 2.
1: Yeah. And Colossians, it tells about other life. And Revelation talks about the creatures in heaven that praise the Lord. So um, we believe there is life on other planet. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, too sure that they're going to find life on Mars or or in our solar system just because it seems like it's such a stark environment out there. But I'm sure there is life. Uh, The life on other planets does not communicate with us here on Earth other than angels and God because we've got this disease of sin. So you might say we're sort of quarantined. But um, I think once we're saved and in the new kingdom, we're going to, as it says in that song, rock of ages will soar to worlds unknown.
2: You know, Pastor we've got that story in the book of Job. It talks about a gathering of the sons of God. And mm-hmm. we know that this didn't happen on earth because Satan came as a representative of the earth. That's right. So it seems, at least from that verse, that they are these other intelligent beings from other worlds uh, mm-hmm. cons- called the sons of God here in that passage. So, right. yeah, there are intelligent beings other than angels that God created in the universe. Great que- question, Peter. Uh, next caller that we have is Anthony listening in New York. Anthony, welcome to the program.
3: Uh, Good evening, pastors. Um, My question, uh, the best verse I could find to base it on is Exodus chapter 25, verse 40. Um, And it says, uh, and look that thou, and this is God talking to Abraham, and look that thou, make them after their pattern, which was shown, showed thee in the mount. And uh, my understanding is that's talking about the heavenly, the, the earthly sanctuary being made after the pattern of the heavenly sanctuary. So my question is, uh, I know that the earthly sanctuary only came into play, or the whole sacrificial system came into play, only after Adam and Eve sinned. But does that also mean that there was really no need for a heavenly sanctuary if it was only for the atonement for sin um, until after Adam and Eve sinned? Was that create was the heavenly sanctuary also established with the plan of salvation?
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's some, there's some mystery to that because when you talk about the sanctuary, you're talking about the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God, or wherever the capital of the universe is, has existed, you know, through eternity as far as we're concerned. Um, it was mobilized for the purpose of saving the human race, these creatures made in God's image, uh, or was developed, I should say, probably, um, what is it, Revelation says, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And uh, there's other verses that talk about the plan of salvation that, you know, God knew that this would happen uh, back in eternity, but um, it wasn't really activated with the blood of Christ until Jesus died on the cross. But the pattern that God gave Moses on the mountain is patterned after a much bigger uh, center of God's throne in heaven. Let me give you an example. Um you probably heard of matchbox cars they're just like little microcosms of big cars in the earthly sanctuary you've got two golden angels on top of this box well those angels are real angels you read about in like Isaiah chapter 6 and then you have the wallpaper was with the uh, angels on it in the holy of holies but um they're going to be real angels surrounding the throne of God in heaven and instead of it being 20 feet across it's going to be you know maybe 20 light years across I don't know but it's it's a much bigger um, reality than the model that God gave to Moses so yeah I think it is very real it wasn't clearly when God first established his throne God wasn't doing it where there were you know there was sacrifice going on in the heavenly temple it was used for that a- after the sacrifice of Christ.
2: Yeah, uh, it seems like, as you mentioned, Pastor like there was maybe a remodeling of the heavenly throne room because of sin, mm-hmm. and the focus then is to redeem mankind. What is interesting, after the 1,000 years, you read about in Revelation chapter 21, uh, the New Jerusalem comes down. The earth is recreated, describes the New Jerusalem. And when sin and sinners are no more, then John in Revelation 21:22 says, talking about the New Jerusalem, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Mm-hmm. It's as if the purpose of the sanctuary, the heavenly sanctuary, has met its fulfillment because sin and sinners are no more. The righteous are redeemed; forever we united with God. It doesn't mean that you know the dwelling place of God disappears. No, but the 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 function of the temple, the work of the temple, mm-hmm. has met its fulfillment. Right, and that's at the end of the thousand years, after all things are made new. Absolutely. You know, we do have a study guide mm-hmm. that talks about the sanctuary and the heavenly sanctuary. It's called "God Drew the Plans." and it talks about this work of redemption and how that's playing out in heaven as well as on the earth. We'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. One of the amazing facts study guides, just call and ask 800-835-6747. And again, you can ask for the study guide. It's God drew the plans, and it's all about the sanctuary as revealing uh, the work of redemption. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your call, Anthony. We've got uh, Rose listening from New York. Rose,
4: welcome to the program. Good evening, pastors. Evening. Uh, The number 40 is mentioned quite a bit in the Bible. Um, For example, it rained 40 days and 40 nights during the flood. Jesus fasted 40 days and nights. Elijah traveled to Mount Sinai for 40 days. So my question is, what is the significance of the number 40?
1: All right, very good. Uh, You know, as near as we can tell, the number 40 represents a a generation, and uh, it's often a time of testing. For example, when Jesus went in the wilderness, that was a time of testing. When the children of Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years, that was a time of testing. When the uh, 12 spies explored the promised land for 40 years, it was a time of testing. Um, And Elijah. You mean 40 days. 40 days, sorry, yeah. And when Elijah went uh, 40 days and 40 nights to um, uh, Mount Sinai, so it, it was symbolic of a generation, uh, when it 's years it 's 40, uh, forty years as a generation. we had a question that came in yesterday about why the why the blood of the um, slaughter that you see in revelation is six. it runs sixteen hundred furlongs, which is forty times forty mm-hmm. and that was interesting it 's like the final judgment on the wicked.
2: And you know, Pastor, something else about 40 is you've got three individuals that appear together in the New Testament, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they appeared with him, Moses and Elijah. And it's interesting, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Mm -hmm. Moses didn't eat for 40 days when he was on the Mount receiving the Ten Commandments. He was supernaturally sustained by God. And Elijah was given angel food. You remember that story? Mm -hmm. And then he went in the strength of that meal for 40 days without food. Yeah. So you got Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, all of which went without food for 40 days. And there they together on the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. It Again, is, 40 is a time of testing yeah. and purifying.
1: Mm-hmm. So I hope that helps a little bit, Rose, but you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, Pastor Ross, we have a website called Bible Prophecy Truth. And at that website, there is a list of Bible numbers and their meanings.
2: That's right. And, of course, 40 is just one of some other very significant Bible numbers. So take a look at that. Just go to the website called Prophecy Truth. Bible Prophecy Truth. Yeah, Bible Prophecy Truth. And that's not just the numbers there, but I think the symbols, Bible symbols Mm -hmm. are also on the website and a lot of additional resources. Next caller that we have is Hannah, listening from Louisiana. Hannah, welcome to the program.
4: Yes, I'm right here. Um, For background, I'm a 16-year-old teenager growing in the Word I'm not the as not, as knowledgeable as probably some of the other people who called in earlier. But anyway, I'm very interested in baptism. I really want to get baptized. I really want to get into God's family. And so one day I could be part of the 144,000. So my question is, what does God expect of me after baptism?
1: Oh, great. Yeah, we appreciate your question. Well, first of all, the... the um... It's wonderful that you're wanting to make that decision and consecrate yourself. You not only want water baptism, you want spirit baptism. Jesus said, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So you need both. And, um, but the promise is that if you receive him, to those that received him, to them he gives power. That power is the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. To them he gives power to become sons and daughters of God. And so when you receive him, uh, he brings his spirit into your life. You want to then continue bathing in that spirit, just like, you know, any average person, you don't just bathe once. You want to continue to bathe in the spirit, read the word. Uh, for a baby to grow, you need to do three things. The baby's got to uh, eat, the baby needs to breathe, and the baby needs to exercise. And if a baby is, you know, eating and drinking, if it's, Uh, exercising and breathing, it will grow. If you are feeding on God's word, if you are breathing in prayer, and if you are sharing your faith with others, you will grow. And so uh, do what you can to learn more about studying the Bible. If you want to take the Amazing Facts Bible Study course, that's a great place to start. Um, Spend regular time in prayer, just consecrated prayer, and then talk to God through the day in your prayers. And then look for opportunities to share what Jesus has done for you. And uh, you will grow in your faith. And he'll reveal what his plan is for your life.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, we do have a study guide. and Maybe you're aware of this, Hannah, or for anyone wanting to learn more about Bible baptism. What does the Bible say? One of our study guides is called Purity and Power. And it's about baptism. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except you are born of water and of the Spirit. So we want to have water baptism, but we also want to be baptized by the Spirit. And this study guide will tell you more about that. If you'd like to receive it, the number to call is 800-835-6747. It's free. Just ask for the study guide on baptism. It's called Purity and Power. We'll be happy to send it to anyone in North America. We've got Brett listening in Atlanta, Georgia. Brett, welcome to the program.
4: Uh, yeah, my question is kind of relates to Job 1. And when Satan... Goes where goes with to meet God with the elders, Mm
1: -hmm.
4: who are the elders, who are the sons of God in that.
1: Yeah, well, you know that came up a little bit earlier in another question, but it appears that when you look in um, Luke chapter three, and it talks about um, you know Enos was the son of Seth, who is the son of Adam, who was the son of God. Adam, who was the leader of this world, was referred to as a son of God. And God probably has um, leaders of other worlds and these 24 elders around the throne, they could have been some of the representatives of other world or other galaxies, I don't know, but some other celestial leaders that uh, God has in this council. And, uh, you know, it seems to indicate that some of the ancient Israeli kings had like 12 judges, in America, I think we've got uh, nine justices, but uh, they like had 12 judges that would assist the king. And, uh, you know, maybe that tradition came from what's going on in heaven. But um, Pastor Ross, any thoughts on that? And We do have a book on yeah, that, Yeah, that's the what way. I'm
2: looking for. I was going to ask you. If, yeah. uh, it's called who, who Are the Sons of God?
1: Yeah, Alien, Angel, or Adopted. Who Are the Sons of God?
2: Okay, and of course that will get into both what you're talking about in Job and then also Revelation chapter 4 where you talk about the, the 24 elders. and mm-hmm. It's really a great study. Well, thanks for your call, Brett. We've got uh, Caleb listening in New York. Caleb, welcome to the program.
4: Yes, I have a question. Um, by the way, for, first of all, I want to say thank you for your, your um, you know, for everything because, like, um, I learned a lot from your from your teaching and everything. Well, but I just need to know how do I? I need to learn because, like, I grew up in the faith, but I need to learn like how to fast. Mm-hmm. Um. How is there like a sermon you have on fasting and how to pray? And my second question is, does fasting and prayer help you have a stronger faith and stronger like relationship with God? Because you know, I, I just feel lately I haven't been feeling you know I have a good relationship with God lately. So I just need to know what does fasting help?
1: Yes. Oh uh, well. Jesus said in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and I think it may be chapter 6, Pastor Ross, when he said, when you fast, he doesn't say if you fast, he said, when you fast, be not like the hypocrites. Of course, Jesus said, and when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, meaning it was thoroughly understood that they would be praying. And when he talked about fasting, he said, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast, fasting and prayer. And then Also, when John the Baptist came to Jesus' disciples and said, how come your disciples don't fast? Jesus said, well, when the bridegroom's taken away, they will fast. So Christ always understood that prayer and times of fasting and prayer is part of the Christian discipline for a couple of reasons. Well, several. One, there are certain health benefits in fasting occasionally. And that's been proven by science that it's, it's just good for your metabolism to sometimes abstain and let your digestive system recover. Rather than it being, you know, constantly under a burden of of uh, processing food, so there's health benefit. There is self-discipline benefit. Whenever you deny yourself something that the flesh wants, it actually it actually it strengthens your resolve to deny yourself, and um, it's not a bad practice first to self-discipline. And then the third reason is when you you go a day or so without eating food or eating very carefully, your mind clears up a little bit because some of the energy that normally goes to digestion is now available for your thinking. And it actually can, you know, increase your spiritual uh, reception. So a lot of people who fast say, I just sense the presence of God more. Uh, You're basically saying, Lord, I'm denying the flesh because I want to strengthen the spirit. Now, I do have a sermon that you will find online and it's uh, you just type into google Doug Batchelor when you fast and or Doug Batchelor fasting and I'm sure there are many other pastors that have good messages on that as well but uh you're on the right track Caleb seek after God with fasting and prayer you may not be able to go you know a whole day without a meal without eating if you've not done it before you may just start and say I'm only going to do one meal today or or uh, skip the food and just, uh, you know, drink some fruit juice to keep your blood sugar up. There's several different ways to fast, and and you'll hear more about that in the message.
2: Okay, thanks for your call, Caleb. We've got uh, Martin Marty listening from New York. Marty, welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Pastor. God bless you. And uh, my question is this. What happens to a Christian between the time they die and the time Lord Jesus comes back?
1: Well, for a believer, when they die, their next conscious thought is the resurrection. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. And Jesus said that they will live again in the last day. There it is on the screen. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So... If a believer dies, they've got no consciousness of time. But uh, life goes on here on earth until the resurrection. The resurrection has not happened yet. It is a future event. Jesus, I think, oh, three three times in John chapter 6. And Pastor Ross might find some of those where, where Jesus said, uh, I will raise him up the last day. I will raise him up the last day. They'll be raised up the last day, sometimes known as the day of the Lord. It's the second coming. And, um, uh, so for those who are believers that die, there's no awareness of time for them. The next thing they know is absent from the body, they're present with the Lord. They're caught up, they, they see God come, they're raised with a glorified body. The Bible says it's like a moment, the twinkling of an eye. But as far as us here on earth, we still live in time. It hasn't happened yet. So some people are confused. They'll walk around and they'll say, well, so-and-so's in heaven now. Well, as far as they're concerned, they're going to be their next thing they know but it hasn't happened yet for us because we still live in time and Jesus hasn't come.
2: In other words, uh, the Bible describes then death as a sleep, an unconscious sleep, the very next thing you know, the second coming of Christ and you're resurrected, but you're not in heaven at the moment. Right. Yeah, while life is going on on earth uh, yeah. as normal.
1: And there's a really good verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when it tells us that um you know, when we die, um the, that we're not aware of anything until the Lord comes. And it tells us that um, the resurrected come back to life when the Lord returns. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15.
2: You know, we do have a book talking about what happens when a person dies. And it's called, Are the Dead Really Dead? And it looks at these different Bible teachings and different scriptures on this. Yeah, Pastor day, there's a lot of confusion out there in the world today about Mm -hmm. the dead. And sometimes people believe, well, the The person is asleep, so to speak, the unconscious sleep waiting for the resurrection. Others believe that you receive your reward immediately and you're in heaven. Or if you're a bad person, you're burning in hell. Well, that's what the Bible teaches. Yes, there is a heaven and there is a final destruction of the wicked in hellfire, but that hasn't happened yet. Right. So Jesus says when he comes, he'll bring his reward with him to give to every man according to his works. It's Revelation 22. And of course, he hasn't come yet, so people have not received their reward. Exactly. The reward would be eternal life for the righteous and eternal death for the wicked. Well, thanks for your call, uh, Marty. We appreciate that. You know, Pastor Doug, we've got, uh, looks like, 20 seconds before we're going to take our break. So, friends, don't go away. We're just going to take a quick break here in the studio and be back with more of your Bible questions. If you have a question, the number to call is 800-463-7297. That'll bring you right in here to the program. So, just after a few moments, some important announcements... And then we'll be
0: back for more Bible Answers Live. So don't go far. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly.
5: Doug Batchelor was the teenage son of a millionaire father and show business mother. Yet he was living in a cave. He had everything money could buy. Everything but happiness. But all of the fun and excitement he enjoyed left his life out of control. His search eventually led him to a cave above Palm Springs that became his home. While Doug scavenged for food and garbage bins, his father owned a yacht, a Learjet, and an airline. But in his cave home, he discovered a dust-covered Bible. As he began to read, he soon learned of his true purpose in life. The Richest Caveman is the extraordinary true story of Doug Batchelor, that tells how a rebellious teenager who once lived in a cave became a tremendous soul winner for Jesus Christ. It's a thrilling testimony of the transforming power of God's Word. To order your copy of The Richest Caveman, call 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. Millions of people believe that planet Earth is on the verge of some apocalypse
1: that will plunge the world's cities into chaos. In response thinking people everywhere are wondering if it might be a good time to locate their families outside of the congested metropolitan areas. In my new book, Heading for the Hills, A Beginner's Guide to Country Living, I do my best to provide a biblical balance. I'd like to share with you some of the crucial things you'll need to know before you head up for the hills. I'd also like to identify some of the practical things you look for in buying a piece of country land how to develop water, power, and a garden, all while still seeking to save the lost. This book has some very valuable
5: information for anybody that's ever considering country living. Order your copy of Heading for the Hills. Call 800-538-7275
0: or visit afbookstore.com. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, to receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live.
1: Welcome back, listening friends, to Bible Answers Live. And if you've tuned in along the way, this is a live international interactive Bible study where we are taking your questions and we're going to be on the air for about another 28 minutes and uh, if you want to call in with a question the number is 800 God says that's 800 463 7297 you can also uh, watch what's happening on Facebook it's on the Doug Bachelor Facebook page or the Amazing Facts Facebook page or YouTube and we are broadcasting on television on AFTV that's the Amazing Facts television channel my name is Doug Batchelor.
2: My name is John Ross, and we have Cynthia that is listening in Mississippi. Cynthia, welcome to the program.
4: God bless both of you. Um, I have someone very dear to me that took their own life. Mm. And I am wondering, um, I've discussed this with my preacher and quite a few other um, preachers and I can't seem to get a direct answer. Uh, I guess what I'm wanting to know is, are they in heaven or will they stay in hell? Are they in hell and will I ever see them in heaven?
1: All right. Good question. I'll try and give you a direct answer on one aspect that you asked there. Uh, Are they in hell? No, nobody is in hell yet. Uh, Nobody is in the lake of fire. That doesn't happen until after the second coming. And you read that in Revelation 20. So every grave that says RIP, rest in peace, the dead are sleeping until the resurrection. And Jesus said the hour is coming, its future. This is John uh, chapter five. The hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. They that have done good, the resurrection of life. They that have done evil, the resurrection of condemnation. So they're not experiencing any reward right now. Will they be in heaven? Well, you know, we have to be very careful not to judge, Uh, but I'll be honest with you that in most cases, not in all cases, but in most cases, when a person takes their own life, it's because they've reached a point of hopelessness and they've lost faith. And faith is crucial to salvation. Uh, You know, it is true that um, the Bible says that we shall not murder, and that, of course, would include yourself. And part of the reason I say this, Cynthia, there are people listening right now that contemplate suicide. And I want to discourage them from doing that. Now, there are some exceptions. You have some people. I did a funeral for a young lady that um, she was a Christian, became very discouraged. There may have been some chemical imbalance, took some pills. After she took the pills, she called 911 and and said, I don't know what I was thinking. I took all these pills. And They rushed her to emergency and tried to save her. Um, And she was conscious when they first got there, but she slipped under and she died. And so the family was saying, you know, what are the chances? They said, well, you know, she was probably praying and and asking for help before this happened. So I I know people, I think Pastor Ross does too, Mm -hmm. that they're suffering so much from some terminal illness that they're just not themselves and they might take their own life that doesn't mean that their whole life of serving God is going to be forgotten because of those closing hours of, you know, incoherency or pain. So you have to be very careful to say, well, we know what happened to a person because only God knows their hearts. Now that may sound like other answers you've had, Cynthia, that are meandering back and forth, but I I hope that made sense.
2: You know, we do have a book. It's called Choosing Life because we do get this question Mm -hmm. that people call in and ask and Uh, it's an important subject so I just recently passed that you finished a book it's called Choosing Life and it talks about uh, what do you do if a loved one or family member or somebody you might know is contemplating suicide how do we encourage them and point them in the right direction we'll be happy to send that book out to Mm -hmm. anyone who calls and asks it's a new book so you need to ask for it it's called Choosing Life and the number to call is 800-835-6747 and you can ask for the new book called Choosing Life and we'll be happy to send it to anyone in North America Thank you again for your call Cynthia. We've got Stephen listening in Canada. Stephen, you're on the air.
3: Oh, hello Pastor Doug and Pastor John Ross. Thanks for having me. Right. Yes. Um yeah. so my question it's um it's it's a little complex. Hopefully I'll be able to put this out simply. The the word per, um regarding perfection um so it's says, uh, we see in Job that it says Job was a perfect, you know, upright man. I guess the word is there, blameless. That says, same thing about Noah, perfect or um, blameless. Then it says, regarding 144,000, they're blameless. The people that washed their robes, some um, they're blameless before the um, before the throne of God. Um, obviously, Jesus was the ultimate of perfection. He was sinless, our Lord and Savior. Um, what, I've, I've, I've listened to, like, your sermons, Pastor Doug, about, like, how perfect must a Christian be. I remember you, I can't remember you said something about, I don't believe in perfection in this sense, but I do, anyways, I won't speak too much more. Just the word perfection, what does, how perfect... Sh- should a christian be and what what does that relate to in the bible Because it even god said come before me abraham and be perfect like that word perfection all these different contexts i see in the bible and stuff
1: that's good yeah good question it's a practical question and i'm really thankful for the stories in the bible because the lord you just highlighted abraham and others who were declared perfect and then you see while god looked upon them as consistently serving him you know abraham he, he goes to egypt and lies and says sarah's really his sister because he's afraid and, uh, and then he gets talked into taking his concubine as a wife the bible tells us about zachariah and elizabeth in the new testament it says they were perfect walking in all the commandments of the lord right after it says they were perfect uh he struck dumb for his lack of faith and so being perfect biblically doesn't mean that you that you're flawless and that's where i think some people get discouraged because especially young people they they think oh you mean i've got to be flawless i've got to be some kind of a biblical saint before i can be saved and um then you read and you find out that you know there'll be people in heaven like peter who you know made some big mistakes and and paul and moses who um you know they god filled elijah with the holy spirit and he prayed and fire and rain came down from heaven and a little while later, he said, oh, Lord, take my life. He got discouraged and he ran. But Elijah went to heaven in a fiery chariot. So these are people who had surrendered themselves to the Lord. They were committed to serving God. But you do see that they were very human. Now, as a Christian, our example is a perfect example. That's Jesus. So we should always strive to be Christ-like. Chances are we're going to stumble and fall along the way. But uh, we, you never make excuses for sin. Because we're longing and loving holiness. That's the key to happiness. Now, I hope that made sense. Thank you. If if I had to be a stainless steel, sterile robot uh, who never did anything wrong or felt any temptation, then there'd be no hope for me. But I can live with Christian joy and assurance because I believe that God begins at work in me. And as I cooperate with him, he is working out his salvation in me.
2: All right, excellent. Thank you, Stephen, for your call. We've got Grace listening from New Jersey. Grace, welcome to the program.
4: Yes, hi Pastor Ross. Hi, Pastor Doug. It's uh, Good evening a blessing to speak to you.
1: Likewise.
4: Yes. Uh I have a question. Uh let me give you at the verse. It's uh Revelation twenty twenty two, mm-hmm. fifteen but outside there are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers, idolaters, and who, whoever loves and practices a lie. Yeah. Uh, my, my question is, I listened to your Ten Commandments. Um, so you know that someone, you heard the series.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And I remember you mentioning also about the the, the dogs and idolaters, they, they belong outside. And my question here is because I see people who have dogs inside the house, and some people call them children, and this is my baby, and I don't know how to address that issue.
1: Okay. Is that great? Now, first of all, in Revelation, when it says for outside our dogs, dogs is a term that was used uh, for people that uh, were just carnally minded that had turned from God. It's not talking about Fido, it's not talking about canine animals. Um Paul talks in Philippians, I think he says, beware of the dogs, and he's talking and that's yeah, beware of dogs and evil workers. Philippians three, two. Two animals that were scavengers that are often referred to by the uh, children of Israel were pigs and dogs. And you're not supposed to eat either one. That God, you know, dogs are scavengers. Dogs it says they ate Jezebel. <laughs> so um a dog was considered an unclean animal, but uh People had dogs even in the Bible as pets, because you can remember when um, a woman came to Jesus and said, will you please heal my my daughter? And Jesus said, it's not appropriate to take the children's food and give it to the dogs. She said, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's tables. Now, that must be a household dog if they're doing that. So there's no sin against owning a dog, and, and some people are lonely. I would agree that in some cases people go a little far and they kind of treat their dogs with uh, uh, more love than they do humans. And you know, I, I went to Hong Kong and people buy fur coats for their dogs and walk them up and down the street with golden collars and it you know, just gets really carried away. But um, no, there's no sin in having a pet, um, but a dog is, in, in its wild state is considered a scavenger and that's why it talks about the dogs outside the New Jerusalem.
2: And of course, back in Bible times, uh, the Jew considered all other people unclean and even uh, referred to them as, as being dogs, yeah. referring to the unbelievers. And in the prophetic sense, when you're reading Revelation, it's talking about dogs are outside the city. It's talking about those who are unbelieving, yeah. those who have rejected the grace of God. Uh, it's just a symbol.
1: And even Goliath said to David, am I a dog? that mm. you're coming to me with a stick. Yeah. It was considered like a low animal. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's no sin in having a dog as a pet. Some people have pigs as pets, and i that's where I draw the line.
2: <laughs> okay. All right, thanks. we got David, who's listening in California. David, welcome to the program.
3: Okay, so I know loved ones um, and friends that are part of congregations where false doctrine is being preached. Um, would it be wrong to tell them to come out of those congregations uh, where false doctrine is being taught And that's a reference according to uh, Revelation
1: uh, 18.4. Okay, let's read Revelation 18.4. And it says here, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven. This is verse 5. And God has remembered her iniquities. Yeah, certainly it's dangerous when a person is sitting under false teaching. Now, there's scarcely a church out there that can say our teachings are perfect. And I know as a pastor, I've said things in church and I preach things. And years later, I thought, oh, Lord, maybe I was wrong on that. And, uh, you know, you you have to realize that uh, preachers are not uh, they don't claim to be all knowing. So it's one thing to say, you know, a preacher made a mistake in something or there's some doctrines that, you know, there might be some uh, freedom of dis- disagreement on. But on the fundamentals if if a a church is teaching something that is um, undermines one of the fundamentals of christianity uh, regarding salvation and being a christian then it's not healthy for a person to stay under that teaching if you've got friends or family that are in that category you ought to study with them and show them what the particular issues are you can't just say you got to come out of that church because they're teaching heresy study show them they've got to see it for themselves so they can make their own decisions in the future based on the word not on your word so i hope that helps david we would take a second question but we see several people are lined up so i appreciate your understanding
2: we've got kevin listening in maryland kevin welcome to the program thank you pastors um tonight i was curious on um how do we reconcile that if the sabbath was set up at a time
3: when uh the seventh day was based on the lunar calendar. How do we now reconcile that being locked in with the uh, Gregorian calendar?
1: Well, the, a change of the calendar doesn't change the weekly cycle. So why it is true that the Jews operated with a lunar calendar, uh, they had uh, approximately 360 days in their year. Some people are thinking, well, wouldn't that throw you off after a few years? Yes, but they knew that. And then they would add a month. I think it was every 12 or 13 years, they added a month to reconcile the seasons once again. Um, But that doesn't affect the weekly cycle. The weekly cycle is simply a series of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. People get confused because they see the days of the week printed on the calendar with the month, and they think if you change the calendar, it changes the weekly cycle. No matter what you do to the calendar, whether it's a solar or a lunar calendar, the days beginning at creation to the present have gone in a sequence of 1 through 7, 1 through 7, 1 through 7. There's nothing in history that shows that any change of the calendar has affected the weekly cycle that the Jews observed. So I I hope that helps a little bit, Kevin. I appreciate that. You know, we've got a, I think there's a a book that, um, I hope we have it in our library. If not, you'll find it online. Our friend Steve Wolberg wrote a book on Lunar Sabbaths and if you type in Steve Woolberg Lunar Sabbath, you might find that. And he he goes into the Sabbath and the lunar calendar in that book.
2: All right. Next caller that we have is is uh, Rhonda listening from Tennessee. Rhonda, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you. Good evening. Um Thank my you. question tonight is on Ezekiel thirty-six verses twenty-six and twenty-seven. And this is an experience that I have been praying for and longing for in my life for some time but i just don't see a change and i'm still struggling with the same old sins i'm the same old person and so i'm wondering why and if i'm doing something wrong or what could be the cause
1: well let me read the verse for our friends who are listening it says in verse i'll start with verse 25 then i will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean And I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take away the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Now that is basically describing the new covenant. This is the Ezekiel version. There's also a Jeremiah version where he talks about, you know, writing his law in our hearts. And I think that's what you're describing here, uh, Rhonda, is that uh, you you're looking for that new birth experience. Do not be discouraged if you pray for that and you strive for that. And it seems like you haven't found it right away. Um, I was just this week listening to uh, some great quotes by some preachers. Matter of fact, um, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon struggled with his own salvation when he was a young man he kept thinking he'd pray and he'd fall and he'd pray and he'd fall and he thought I'm never going to have the new birth experience and he walked into a little church on a rainy day And this country preacher was preaching from the verse in Isaiah that said in uh, chapter I believe it's chapter 42 or 45 verse 22 look unto me all the ends of the earth and be saved mm-hmm. and Continue to look at Jesus and believe that he saves you. We do not do the good things uh, to be saved, but as we trust in his keeping his promise, his salvation, we then do the good things because we believe he has saved us. And so if you don't start right in your thinking about salvation, you're going to really believe it's your work that does it, it's his work that does it for you. And so keep thanking him and trusting that in his mercy, keep looking to him. You know, Christ said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And then Jesus said in uh, John 3:15, as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so the son of man must be lifted up. You remember the people were bitten by the serpents and they looked at this bronze serpent on a pole and they were healed. They looked and they lived. It's so simple. You look at Jesus on the cross for your sins. Believe that he's there to forgive you. He says that he makes us his sons and his daughters. You accept that. It should give you a peace. And then because we love him, we will want to obey him. And as you continue to claim that promise, his spirit will grow and swell in your heart. If it doesn't happen, keep keep believing, keep striving, keep praying. Um, and, and it will happen. You seek him with all your heart. The promise is Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. You will search for me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart.
2: You know, we've got a book, Pastor Doug, one that I like to share. It's a great book. It's called Three Steps to Heaven. And it talks Amen. about growing in grace, the experience of, well, experiencing that new heart that's promised in the Bible. We'll be happy to send this book to anyone who asks. The number to call is 800-835-6747. And you can ask for the book. It's called Three Steps to Heaven. We'll be happy to send it to anyone in North America. If you're outside of North America, just go to the Amazing Facts website, and you'll be able to read it online at our free library. They're at amazingfacts.com or amazingfacts.org. We've got Deb listening in Texas. Deb, welcome to the program.
4: Hi. Thank you, pastors. Good evening. Mm -hmm. First, I'd like to tell you I really enjoyed the summit this weekend with Revelation's final warning. Oh, wonderful. My question is this, if God and Yeshua are one and the same, then how is it that the son doesn't know the day or the hour of the end of times? Yeah,
1: in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus is talking about his uh, return, he said, but of that day and that hour knows no man, but the uh, father only, not even the son. And uh, maybe he told the disciples that also so that they wouldn't be prodding him to say exactly what is the date. But I believe when Jesus was on earth, he didn't know the date because Christ laid aside a lot of his divine knowledge when he walked on earth among men. And so God, he lived by faith that God would reveal, his father would reveal to him what he needed to know at the time he needed to know. You can be quite certain that Jesus does know the day and the hour of his coming now. He is, you know, at the right hand of the Father. I'm sure if Jesus were to say, Father, what's the date? God's not going to cover a piece of paper with his hand and say, I can't tell you, it's a secret. It's just why he was on earth, the Bible tells us, and is it Philippians, that he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a man, or is that Colossians? And uh, yeah, he laid aside his divinity. And that's why he didn't know at that time. So, Deb, does that make sense?
4: Yes, you've cleared it up for me. I understand now. He does know. Well, thank you. Praise the Lord. Uh, Thank you so much, pastors.
1: All right. You have a good evening.
2: All right. Next caller that we have is uh, Andre in uh, Canada. Andre, welcome to the program. So my question, in the beginning, God created two persons, Mm
3: -hmm. and and I am assuming that they were of the same race. So do you guys have any explanation why we have so many different races today?
1: Yeah, I, think, I don't think it's really complicated. First of all, yes, there was one race. And the uh, Bible tells us in uh, the book of Acts, God has made of one blood all nations. And the fact is it doesn't matter whether you are Asian or Aborigine or African or American Indian. Some people have got O positive blood, and some people have B positive blood, and the various blood types. And if if I uh, have a car accident and I need a transfusion, the race of the person won't make any difference. What they're going to look at is the blood type. And um, the reason that you've got uh, different races is because as people begin to migrate around the world following the Tower of Babel, it's just a law of genetics that uh, different people in different environments, when they're marrying within a certain gene pool. That different traits will become more dominant Um, and you can see this and forgive me for making the comparison but i believe that god originally made two dogs two probably wolf-like dogs and look at all the different varieties of dogs every shape and color and size and no hair lots of hair teeny tiny huge they all come from the same dogs but through isolation in their breeding uh, you get all these different varieties. So God, he built just a wonderful bouquet of potential into these creatures so that you can you can have all different varieties that arise out of the genes. And that's why you've got all these different races. They were isolated, and they, different traits became more dominant as they married. Hope that helps a little bit, Andre. Does that make sense?
2: Yes,
3: thank you.
1: All right, thanks so much.
2: All right, next caller that we have is James, listening in Georgia. James, welcome to the program. We have just about two minutes.
4: Yes, hi. Hi. I I grew up in a really big church. I'm not going to name the religion, but they baptize you when you're a baby. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that was really valid according to everything that I read in the Bible. And so I I had a health issue, and I said, God, uh, I want to turn my life over to you uh, i will repent of my sins and i want to ask you to come into my heart i, I, I want to still become a lot of baptized but i i think i'm already spiritually baptized uh, and i wanted to ask about that
1: all right well let me talk to you about that real quick we just have a few minutes left or a few seconds actually please go to the amazing facts website take the free amazing facts bible study course we have one lesson that is specifically on baptism, you can read that for free, even right now at our website, and it's talk about uh p- power and purity, power and purity, yes,, and it'll tell you about the importance of water baptism that is biblical, but you need both you need to be born of the water, born of the spirit, and it'll also guide you in the choice of a church where you can be a one hundred per cent absolutely committed Christian. I can just hear the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, Matthew. And I'm hoping that you're going to follow through with this decision. God is guiding you. And you know what? Uh, If we didn't answer your whole question this week, give us another chance next week. You've been trying so long. Just call early and we'll get you on the program. Friends, we have run out of time for tonight's broadcast. We hope that you'll go to the Amazing Facts website and use our resources, amazingfacts.org. And we'll look forward to hearing from you. God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California.
2: For our friends who've stayed by, we're going to take some of your Bible questions that you have emailed to us. We have about two minutes past the next, so we want to get as many of these questions in as possible. Okay. So here we go. The first question: Is divorce always considered a sin, or are there exceptions? And if so, what are they?
1: Well, usually all divorce somebody sinned. So, yeah, but it's possible for a person to be what you would call an innocent party if uh, one spouse violates the marriage vows through adultery. Um, they're guilty, but the other person has a right to divorce at that point. It doesn't mean they have to, but that's one grounds for divorce. And then in First Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about when, uh, when two um, pagans, one of them becomes a Christian, um, that the unbeliever may choose to divorce and leave. Uh, the believer may not have any choice in those cases. But, uh, so that would be one example.
2: Okay, another question that we have. It says, what countries still need to be reached with God's truth?
1: Well the gospel is going into all the world now through the internet and various forms of media but uh, some places what they call the 1040 window uh, you know especially in the Middle East uh, some of the Islamic countries the the gospel it's still not freely proclaimed there and now it's even getting hard to reach people in Europe is becoming very secular so uh, you can't say that uh, everyone's had a chance yet
2: okay another question we have it's um, what is the best way to handle a very difficult loved one or individual who does not believe.
1: Yeah, that's one of the ways we develop character is by showing love to those who sometimes can be difficult. Pray that God gives you patience and wisdom and uh, pray for them, share information if they're willing to look at the information and ask God to help you be a good example to them. And uh, it might be God growing you as you try to love them.
2: All right, another question. Is Omicron the third plague?
1: The third plague of Revelation? Uh, no, I don't think so. Matter of fact, from what I'm hearing, Omicron is very v- uh, virulent, but it's not very deadly. Uh, it is spreading, but it's uh, the uh, death ratio is much smaller. the The plagues that you see in Revelation, um, there's not going to be any doubt about what those plagues are.
2: And of course, those plagues don't fall until after probation closes.
1: Yeah, that's the and we haven't had the blood and the water yet, so. Okay.
2: All right, well, Pastor Doug, again, I don't think we have time to take any more questions, but we want to thank those for tuning in, those who stayed by. If we didn't get to your question, make sure that you tune in next week. You can email or text your question to us, and we'll try to answer as many questions as we can.
1: Absolutely. God bless, friends. Thank you again for tuning in. And if you are blessed by these programs, let us know. You can go to the website and donate to keep us on the air, amazingfacts.org. God bless.
0: This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live, honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions.